WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. From a topical, comical, and knowledgeable Boston sports talker dropping in hotter than a tropical climate Breaking news, he supplies it And you want the truth? Scoops, Keith will find it He's talking about all the sports And he's also a hashtag dork And the father of two sweet daughters The leader of your squad for you evening marauders And night commuters Tune in and sit tight Six to ten, more like six to midnight Ow, the mic's hot on the Night's Watch crew Celtics, Bruins, Pats, and Red Sox too Doing this since the Rich Keith Project Now he's got podcasts and Twitch stream content KWFE on WEEI It's the Rich Keith Show, so here's your guy Welcome into a Wednesday night edition of the Rich Keefe Show. A happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers out there. Edition of the program. It's a full tanger. Fitzy is in the house. Fitzy, how are you, sir? Rich. Yes. I love talking football. I love celebrating the Celtics, and I love crapping all over the Red Sox. It should be, should a, be a full show. Thoroughly romantic, beautiful evening. I think we got a little something for everybody today. We have uh, Alex Van Pelt audio for the first time as a uh, New England Patriot offensive coordinator. There's a new juicy quote from Tom Brady that is going to be in the upcoming mm-hmm. Apple documentary series as it relates to his relationship with Bill Belichick. Uh, unfortunately, let me just right off the top here, horrific events today in Kansas City, Fitzy, and uh, we are certainly aware of it as the Chiefs were celebrating their third Super Bowl at their parade. Uh, maybe you've heard about this, maybe you haven't, maybe you're just getting out of work, but there was a shooting at the parade, one dead, 10 to 15 injured, still getting more information as it comes out, but I mean, come on, like... We've been over this before, unfortunately, so many times with so many different incidents. But it's like you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. Like people are are the worst. And a freaking parade for a, a Super Bowl champion. It's like, all right, I guess we're I guess we're done doing stuff. You can't you can't do anything. No, you can't go anywhere anymore at all. And I'd like to also point out, Rich, that no matter what you say tonight, you're going to be wrong. Correct. Yep. Because oh, yeah. somebody on one side or the oh, other yeah. of an aisle equation or dialogue is going to be mad at you for the position that you maintain right. or how you particularly feel about the situation, the implements involved, or the rules that are in place for people to acquire and use yep. said implements. So you almost just have to sort of shrug your shoulders. Oh God. I know. Make sure you drop make sure you drop some thoughts and prayers. Be glad it wasn't you and yours. I, I you know, you've attended parades before. I've gone to them, got to ride in one. Hopefully one day I can take my kids to see one of some kind. I love going to public. I love going to places like carnivals, yeah. the mall, the movies. Uh, oh, the movies parks. are like, remember? None I, of those places are safe anymore. I literally, yeah. tell, me if you're, tell me if you do this. I'm not sure if you've taken uh, or both of your daughters to a movie before. Or maybe you and your wife, God forbid, had a date night. <laughs> do you sometimes, I do this, do you keep like... 
You know, it's like sleep with one eye open. Like, do yeah. you keep one eye wandering? I always have a wandering eye when I'm in I do. Like I remember, large closed public spaces now. I remember because there was the Dark Knight shooting years and years ago when the Dark Knight came out. And then you remember there was all those. Dark Knight th- Rises. Yeah, it was in Colorado. There was all those threats with uh, the Joker movie. Remember people were saying it was going to happen. I remember going to the theater and being on edge during the whole Joker movie because everybody was talking about like, that's what's going to happen. And people are going to target that movie. And I'm like, well, I what? And now these parades, so you wonder, all right, the next champion will be what? NBA will be right before, or NHL, I guess one or the other, will be the first next mm-hmm. professional sports league. So mm-hmm. all right, let's just say the Celtics. If the Celtics win the title, do they do a parade? Uh, I think they think see. I think they think pretty long and hard about it. I mean, I know they do because they want to send a message and because yeah. it's Boston and Boston will say we have experience with these things. Unfortunately, we're right. used to tragic events in op- large, mass-attended open spaces, especially surrounding sports. Yeah. I think they do, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this: people will, th- some people will think twice. A lot of people will charge headlong into it, like no one's keeping me away from this. I've been waiting twenty. Okay, I know, but like I don't know if I'm gonna want to bring. I mean, guy. It's the most celebratory thing. This isn't even just a regular parade. It's a Super Bowl parade crowning the latest dynasty in North American sports in the NFL. And a couple of guys, God knows what the agenda is. God knows what their mental state is. Mm -hmm. Think this is the time to not only prove our point, but to take take away the most precious gift from others because we're unhappy with ours. It's just... Jesus It's Christ. sickening. Yep. Uh, no, it's sickening. So that's the, the latest thing. And if there's any uh, updates to that story, we will pass them along throughout the program. Uh, I mentioned the Celtics potentially having a parade. The Celtics have been on a uh, a bit of a roll here, including Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum, already an All-NBA player, already a, you know, a starter in the All-Star game once again. But what he's been doing recently, to me, it got me thinking about is he going to get back into this MVP conversation? You know, Jokic, you could probably give it to Jokic almost every year. Uh, Luka Doncic having a great season. Giannis having a great season. Shea Gildress-Alexander from Oklahoma City having a great season. But you look at what Tatum's done recently, and I think it's also coming at a time, Fitzy, where Jalen Brown has not played his best basketball. Nope. Uh, over just this month, so six games in February, Tatum's averaging just under 30 points, just under 10 rebounds, six and a half assists. And uh, he's been lighting it up. The team's been lighting it up. And, uh, I mean, it's coming at uh, a time where last year, you remember, they started to have a little bit of an issue, right? It was right around this time. Missoula coached the All-Star game. They removed the interim tag. Then they kind of stumbled for a little bit before they eventually figured it out a little bit. But overall, the last week or two, it's just been the Jason Tatum show with the Celtics. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to oh, be overdramatic on the Twitch are you all right? Stream while you were talking. I'm I'm fine. I was just somebody just texted me that uh, an update from uh, NB, MSNBC that uh, eight of the wounded that are currently being treated in critical care in Kansas City hospitals are children. Okay, so, so that's great. All right, that's yeah. Terrific. Twelve. Okay, so Children's Mercy is treating twelve patients from the rally. Eleven are children. Oh. Nine have gunshot wounds. That was from James Palmer from uh, the NFL Network. Just tweeted that out. Yeah, I mean, a, a kid deserves, you know, a kid should yep. know better. Right. You know? Taking the day off from school to go, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Get strapped or, you know, maybe armor up. Let's go. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, you know, Rich, uh, the stats, the almost putting up. 
He's been flirting with double, uh, excuse me, triple doubles regularly uh, for a while now. Jason right. Tatum seems to be elevating his game. I'm not sure if it's because he's fired up for the All-Star break. I'm not sure if it's because there's been a, a little bit of a lag in Jalen Brown's game. I'm not sure if it's because because of the opponents they played. I know they've won five in a row, so they haven't been exactly been playing. T- I mean, you know, but Miami always plays them tough as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it feels like, you know, I haven't there. You know, Embiid is out last year's MVP. Right, right. Jokic and Giannis are always going to be in the conversation. But right now, he it's like he feels this is his time to seize the narrative and maybe going into All-Star Weekend, grab frontrunner status. I know, and like obviously the BLN though is win a title. You can't win a title in February. You can't win a title in March. But it's sort of like, is this sort of the, the next step with him where he's always, to me, been either like the bottom part of the top five or like, you know, middle top ten, somewhere like seventh best player in the league, sixth best player in the league. I know he was first team all NBA, but still you play it out. You're like, he's right around there. But now I think he's making that leap forward. And if they finish, they being the Celtics with the best record in the league, sometimes you see the voters kind of give a little bit of a, a tiebreaker to the guy on the best team. And I know he has help, but so do the other guys like, you know, Jamal Murray's no slouch. Uh, Damian Lillard, for God's sakes, plays with Giannis now. So those guys have good teammates too. But yeah, I just think you've seen the complete game in Tatum, he's been insanely consistent recently, and uh, yeah, I think he sort of vaulted himself up there. The other NBA story that caught my eye over the last uh, day or so was Adrian Wojnarowski saying that the uh, the Golden State Warriors at the uh-huh. trade deadline took a little stab at LeBron James. So oh. Golden State currently is uh, 10th in the West. The Lakers are 9th. We had talked couple of weeks ago about how the Lakers should trade LeBron. The Lakers are going nowhere. He's in the last year of his deal. They could probably get something for him, but obviously LeBron runs the Lakers, so it's completely up to him. They're not going to trade him if he doesn't want to go anywhere. But the Warriors trying to take a stab at it. Uh, why not, right? I mean, they were in a, in a position where neither one is going to go anywhere. They might play each other in the first round of the elimination knockout stage. So it's worth a shot. I don't know what the return would have been. Who knows how far the, the talks got. But that would have shaken things up quite a bit. Yeah, so Golden State officially calls or inquires about the availability Mm -hmm. of LeBron. And, you know, we all chided Kevin Durant, and he became a running meme for ages for bandwagon hopping off of Oklahoma City when he couldn't beat Golden State and jumping aboard with them. And, I mean, it basically has been a meme for giving up and being a frontrunner for almost a decade now. Mm -hmm. LeBron and Steph would have been something. That would I I mean, you want to talk about whether you hated it or loved it. That would have been a show and a half. I, I think it would have been great. And you know how I feel about LeBron, but I think it would have been like a shot in the arm. LeBron's already done the thing. Like he, It's not the first time he has left the place to team up with better teammates, right? Like he's done that a few times over. So this would just be the latest stop along the way. I'm sure he's still got more left in the tank, whether he wants to play with his son still or not. Go finish out the year with the Warriors. See if you can kind of push them over the top because that's a one-man show right now. It's, it's Curry and, and. then... The corpses of a couple of guys that used to be good, and then some young guys that aren't really that great yet. Like that's sort of what the Warriors are. So if they could have gotten LeBron, that would have added a ton of juice to the Western Conference. I would have been phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, I just you could have either loved it and hopped all on board, or hated it and loved rooting against the latest, mm-hmm. oh yeah, potentially greatest super team. Now I also heard, I checked out 
what our sister station WFAN had to say today. And there was dialogue of Daryl Morey having placed a so Morey, exploratory call. Yes, Morey called Morey, who's running the Sixers. He called Rob Palinka and uh, was asking about LeBron. And Palinka, this is according to the Woj story, responded with, uh, "Is Joel Embiid available?" <laughs> like, yeah, we'll no, take you, you can have, have LeBron. LeBron. We'll but, take we'll yeah. take Embiid. And he's like, "All right, never mind. I guess yeah. we're done here." Had that swatted away, and they were lamenting the fact that the Knicks did not. And more aggressively pursue LeBron James. Now we talked about that yeah. two weeks ago. We had suggested, well, if goal, if the Lakers decide we're really not in it or we don't have that much of a chance. I mean, the Western Conference is kind of a little up for grabs, if you ask me right now. But, oh, it is, yeah. And I guess sure. Maury also asked about Kevin Durant's availability. They he called the Suns, so he was busy trying to help out the. Uh, yeah, why? Sixers. They should be way better. They should like. I know. Minnesota's in first place. Denver's struggling ish a little bit. Like the yep. Suns are not as good. It's a one man show with. Golden State, so the West is wide open at this point. I also, I too, loved our suggestion and don't know why the Knicks weren't more aggressive because they'd already made a trade this season. Why not? I mean, that's like the storybook finish for LeBron James's NBA career. You win at, you, you can't win at home, you go to Miami. Bigger exposure at South Beach, now mm-hmm. you go home, you're the hero. You take your talents to Hollywood, you become an international superstar, and then you go to New York, the grandest stage of them all, and you make the Knicks great again before you retire. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm surprised they, did, I'm surprised I didn't, they yeah. weren't more aggressive. But didn't do it. It's just going to flatline with the I Lakers the rest of the way. All right, you guys could join us. 617-779-7937. Also want to get to Alex Van Pelt. Patriots ran a video of him speaking for about a minute or so. And there was one thing in there that jumped out to me that I really, really disagree with. So well, I want to see. Maybe you guys agree with me. Maybe you agree with him. But we can uh, talk about it. Coming up here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. But right now here is Stiz with What's Trending. The Greg Hill Show. Weekdays 6 to 10. Now here's What's Trending on WEEI. As we previously reported sad news out of Kansas City today. A shooting following the Chiefs Super Bowl parade has left one dead and at least 14 people injured. Three are in critical condition. Five in serious condition. One person suffered non-life-threatening injuries. According to police, two armed individuals have been taken into custody. An estimated one million people were gathered in downtown Kansas to celebrate their team's back-to-back championships. Uh, If any other news breaks, we will keep you updated on that. Tough night for the Bruins last night. They fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning, 3-2 in a shootout loss at the Garden. Bruins goals came from McAvoy and Van Riemsdyk. Linus Allmark fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement for high-sticking against the Tampa Bay player in the third period. Bruins back on the ice tomorrow night when they'll host a crack in puck drops from Causeway Street at 7 p.m. Celtics got the win in the first of back-to-back games against the Nets last night. Celtics left Brooklyn with a 118-110 victory. The two teams will run it back again tonight at the Garden. Tip-off at 7.30. Boston will be absent a few players. Xavier Tillman, Jaden Springer, and Al Horford all out. Jalen Brown is questionable as of right now. Red Sox pitchers and catchers reported to Fort Myers today for spring training. Closer Kenley Jansen did not participate in the first official workout for the Sox. According to Craig Breslow, Jansen arrived at camp with some general lat soreness. Jansen also reportedly has been on the trade block for weeks as the Red Sox continue to find ways to shed payroll for reasons unknown. Sox play their first spring training game against the Orioles 
Saturday, February 24th at 1 p.m. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Ritz Keefe Show coming up. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say WEI is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEI. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, WEEI. You can join us at 617-779-7937. You can watch the program on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. Get all the shows from 6A until 10P. And uh, the Patriots put out a little video with Alex Van Pelt, the new offensive coordinator, talking about all kinds of things, about you know what it, what it takes to be a coordinator or a good coordinator and getting the most out of players, what's important to him, and and everything else, sort of a meet Alex Van Pelt type of video, Fitzy. And they had a bunch of different highlights in there with his time uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So I'm going to start and last stop year, it. Uh, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, I think last year when Bill O'Brien was rehired, they did the same thing. It was just one of these like little mm. one minute like, here are some things I think about offense and the modern NFL yeah. and this and this great like just a little introductory lack sure. of lack of presser slap and tickle. Here's the guy. Blah, yeah, maybe blah, you blah. don't know Pill as well as everybody else. Maybe you're not comfortable <laughs> calling him Pill, but here we go. Here's <laughs> here's a little bit of Pill. As long as this group will always understand that we'll play for each other first and foremost, the most important guy on the field is to your left and to your right. If we can get that going, we're going to do some good things. All right. There you go. Believe in each other, that kind of thing. Football. Football, yeah. Yeah, he's got a little grizzle to his voice. He's a hoss of a guy. He's a big fella. Yeah, he's no, no, no small potato. <laughs> no, he's not. But that, that seems pretty straightforward. I think a good coordinator does what's best for his players. I, I think a lot of guys will have scheme that they, they, they understand and they, they have familiarity with as coordinators. But if it doesn't fit the player, then, then how good is the scheme really? So a good coordinator will often take the strengths of the players that he has, uh, play to their strengths, while at the same time being able to protect them from their weaknesses. So that to me sounds like a guy, and this is all coach speak. I understand at the beginning, but if you're just taking him at his at his word, that would tell you if they get Jaden Daniels or Drake May, he's not going to force the exact same offense on both guys, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think there are some coordinators around the league that probably do it one way, and they're like, "This is what we're doing." Some of the criticism, maybe with like even Kyle Shanahan, as good as he is, it's like this is what we're doing regardless. Whereas. There's a big question right now. If they end up with Daniels or May, I don't think you're running the exact same offense. And so at least it sounds like Alex Van Pelt would be flexible and put the players in the best position to succeed, which is what they really all should be doing. Well, didn't we also hear from Gerard Mayo during, I think it was during the Thunder Buddies introductory press conference, where he said that the Patriots were still going to remain a game plan attack offense? Yeah. And that, that they were not I, just going like to be, we're going West Coast. Or like, this is going to be Shanahan times McVeigh times McDaniel times in your face. Like, oh, there were some years where it was astonishing. They would play a really good run defense and they would just never run it. Or they would play a really good pass defense and they're like, I'll just run it the whole time. Or like a team. Jonas Gray would like yeah. to attest. Right. The Colts twice. There was Twice that season, the Colts had the worst run defense in the league. So Jonas Gray and LeGarrette Blunt had two of the greatest rushing performances ever. So, yeah, that's what you got to do. All right, so that's fine. So all that, that sounds good. This next part, there's a part in here that I 
disagree with. We'll see if it sticks out to you as well. You know, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships, being able to do that late into the season. Quarterback play is a big part of what I believe in, putting him in a, a position to be successful. And, you know, if you can make that guy be successful, oftentimes your offense is successful. Teams that, that are close and that, that are connected, connected is a big word that I'll use, the connectivity, those teams always play better. Getting to know these guys, getting to love these guys as, as players and people, I think will all make us better in the long run. All right. Anything jump out at you in there? Uh, I don't think he said anything, you know, like politically or racially sensitive. <laughs> so. Nothing's going to get him uh, canceled. He's not going to lose his job over it. But right out, of the, right out of the shoot here. You know, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships. No, it does not. No, sir, it does not. Running the ball does not win championships. He just came from a team that had been running it for a bunch of years with Nick Chubb. First of all, you have Nick Chubb and you have a good offensive line. But for the most part, you had bad quarterback play throughout that entire time. And you kind of had to win it that way. And you kind of maximized what you could. Patrick Mahomes was the team's leading rusher in the Super Bowl. You don't win games anymore running the ball. So I liked all the first stuff that he was saying, and then he turns into like an old Big Ten football coach from the 80s. Like, I'm Osborne. I don't need three yards and a cloud of dust. I don't need any of that. Where the Kansas City Chiefs rank running the ball? I, I bet they were below middle of the pack. The, the Probably, top. I would say they were like a middling rush. Now, they started to run the ball more effectively towards the end of the season, yep. as did like your 2018 Patriots, which locally was the team people comped this version of the Chiefs to. Your top but, five rushing teams from the regular season. Yards per game rushing. Let's, let's see if the, any of them made the playoffs. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Were very good. They have, they have a quarterback who is uh, uniquely equipped to run for a lot of yards, but uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't win championships. The Chicago Bears. You like that outfit? Oh, man. No. Let's go Bears. The 49ers, which I'll give them, but they also have Christian McCaffrey, and then when it came down to it, they didn't even give him the ball. The Arizona Cardinals, who have one of the worst teams they in the were league. fourth? They were fourth in rushing. And then the Detroit Lions with their dual running backs that they had. So you did, three out of the five did make the playoffs. I'll give you that, but a lot of times, too, in the case of like the Ravens and the Niners and the Lions, you get up big and you're going to run the ball a little bit more, and it's Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, and the the two running backs that were really good for the Lions. But like Bears and Cardinals ran the hell out of it. They ran the ball more than what thirty or uh, twenty five other teams. So I just don't like that that mindset. It, it that's not sure complimentary football and all that stuff is and can be important. But to still think like what running game and defense is going to get it done? Like I don't know what league you're watching. What if this is the old rope a dope, the old bait and switch? Let's hope. Let's, Let's go so. ahead and tell yeah. everybody we're going to be a power running team because running the football wins championships. I don't then you get out that. there, yeah. first week, Jacoby Brissett slings it 65 times. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But yeah. I would like to put a little pushback on your assertion there. All right. The Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers, and Baltimore Ravens all made it to at least the championship game of their respective conferences. Yeah. One could also argue that getting away from what was working for all of them, which would be the run game, Mm -hmm. may have cost them multiple opportunities. Uh, Detroit, not perhaps as much. uh, As a matter of fact, going to the run game on third and goal 
was the death knell for their final chance in a game that they quite honestly blew, but maybe they should have controlled the ball and earlier in the second sure. half of that game. Sure. Uh, as far as the 49ers and the Ravens, the Ravens were one of the best running teams. They got away from their identity in the AFC Championship against the Chiefs mm-hmm. and decided to throw the ball more. Granted, uh, it's not the running game's fault that Zay Flowers had the ball knocked out of his hands at the half-inch line, but they didn't run the ball. What, they run it five, six times against the Chiefs when they should have run it so, so, so much more? And as far as the 49ers go, they should have run the ball more in the third quarter because you've got arguably one of the top five players on offense in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey, and you decide to throw the ball more, hence those three possessions with only four minutes, nine downs, and negative yardage. Mm-hmm. I just feel like... I don't hate it. Oh, I do. I mean, good. he said win championships, so he's wrong. Like, they don't win championships. And the last five Super Bowl teams are the Chiefs three times, always a better passing team, the Tom Brady Bucks, better passing team, and the Stafford Cooper Cup Rams, better pass. They're all much better passing teams than they are running teams. One thing, if, if the main thing you do is run, you better have the lead the whole time. Like, you're just not going to come back if you can't throw the ball. And you're going to have to beat... Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You're going to have to beat those guys along the way. So I just, hopefully it's just sort of like he's stuck in coach speak and he's like heard that a million times and he's just saying it. But that kind of scares me. If he's going to build this offense around the run game, like forget it. Like the the team's in worse trouble, worse off than I thought. And so I mean, maybe that can help the young quarterback a little bit. But ultimately, I think you're 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 setting your team up to to fail. Yeah, I, I mean, without knowing who... See, I think it would be a mistake if he came out and said, you know, we're going yeah, to... I think it's coach speak. I think he's okay, just being a football guy. Yeah, maybe it is. I think he's just you know espousing fundamentals that people want to hear. You know, we're going to get back to the basics. It's going to be football one-on-one around here. We're going to clean it up and do it right. Because if you come out and say, like, we're going to sling it. You know, we're going to we're going to be a modern progressive offense that's going to have tricks and iterations and mm-hmm. motion and mm-hmm. crazy formation. How can you say that when you don't even know who your wide receivers are going to be? You don't have a friggin' tight end signed to the roster and you don't know who your quarterbacks are going to be next year. Right. No. So I think almost he's I think he's kind of verbally hamstrung with what he can say. You got Ramondre. Maybe you'll bring Zeke back. You got Kevin Harris. You got a bunch of hosses at running back. Mm-hmm. So let's just, hey, we'll, uh, we'll emphasize this until we figure out what the hell else to do. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking at, uh, let's see, run rates in the NFL. Teams that ran the ball the highest percentage of time. So, I mean, the league has certainly changed. Nobody runs it more than they pass. I think a couple years ago there might have been a team or two, maybe like when Derrick Henry was lighting up with the Titans. But teams that run it more than they pass. Oh, I'm sorry. The teams that ran it the most in the league, uh, the 49ers, the Falcons, the Steelers, the Bears, and the Ravens. As far as the other stat I gave you was just yards per game. So those teams that were successful at it. This is the ones that were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to hand the ball off more than the other teams. Now, some of that is maybe you don't trust your quarterback, wh- whatever it may be. But... We'll see. The Browns were in the top 10. The Browns were ninth. Now, that's Kevin Stefanski calling the plays, not Alex Van Pelt. That's the other thing. It's like you don't know how much of the Browns' offense is something that Van Pelt wants to run, or is he mm-hmm. just, hey, I'm the guy here. I'm kind of really just coaching the quarterbacks, even though I have the good title. Because like, mm-hmm. like a lot of teams in the league, the head coach, if it's an offensive guy, they usually call the plays. I wouldn't be surprised. So much of this team is going to resemble what the Packers tried to do years ago and what the Browns did 
most recently, considering that the Wolfman, the Wolf of Ball Street, is in charge. Yeah, it's our guy. Uh, that's oh, he is one hundred percent our guy. <laughs> it's a new spirit animal of this station, this show, Patriots Nation, everyone. Uh, give me that. That's right. Whenever we're talking Patriots Ellie football Wolf. now, that's our guy. Right. Right. Yep. Um, I think that what what you've seen the Browns do in the last couple of years is something that you'll probably see the Patriots do. You'll probably see a lot of play action, mm. see a couple of decent receivers, probably see a couple of block. maybe like your – someone said they had their eye on – who was it? I think it was Andrew Callahan said he had his eye. Since there's such familiarity with the Cleveland Browns roster with somebody like Harrison Bryant, who's a big dude. Oh, yeah. He's kind of yeah. underperformed, but maybe his offensive capabilities haven't been tapped into yet. You're going to probably see something that resembles what the Browns have been, been mm. doing the last couple of years. And if that means – we fix the offensive line. We bring in, God forbid, some actual talented receiver. Emphasize yeah. the hosses at running back and maybe get a competent quarterback in there who's not afraid of the coach saying, hey, I didn't like the way you did that on the sideline without <laughs> breaking into a hissy fit. Okay, yeah, no, game be, on. I'm all right with that. No, that'll be uh, that'll be pretty good. I mean, I think, you know, what it, Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, Mac Jones, Bill O'Brien, whatever those combinations were, this next combination, is, as low as I am on Alex Van Pelt, I think you at least have, like, you have a honeymoon period slash like high hopes for whoever they take at three. Assuming it's a quarterback, now that is a big assumption because you just never know what the hell what they're going to do. There's no track record, right? Because it was Bill Belichick for the last twenty three, twenty four years, and whether he was getting input or not from others, we assume all those moves were Bill Belichick. Now, Elliot Wolf, Macro, Gerard Mayo, Jonathan Kraft. We don't know. Are they more likely to try to move up, stand pat, move down, get a million picks, like whatever? The one thing that's very clear is that third mm-hmm. pick is going to be in serious demand, whether it's Drake May or Jaden Daniels that is at three. There's going to be some team around the league that looks at that as that guy fell to three, and now we got to pounce on it, and they're going to try to trade up. And the Patriots are probably going to get some – Pretty crazy offers uh, in their lap, whether it's before the draft or certainly the night of the draft. And then somebody in that room is going to have to make the decision on whether or not this is the best move for the team or not. I think I am pretty comfortable. I'm ready as of Valentine's Day. So here we are. About 70 days away from the Rich Keefe Show, 6 to Midnight NFL Draft Spectacular 2024. You got that right. First round of the draft. Yep. I am ready to say that the New England Patriots are going to trade back in the first round. I think it is a done oh, deal. I think it is. No! I, I, would, I would put my grown adult American money on it. No way. So that's, you think that's the most likely scenario right now? I, they think, trade that down? Is the, I think that is the leading candidate. If, if we're power that. ranking, yeah. trade back, stay, stand pat, trade up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is trade back by a country mile. Oh, this then is Then it is stand pat. And then just, I mean... At yeah, trading up's now. not happening. I don't see trading up happening at all. It's off the board. Yeah, yeah, it's off the board. There's, they'd have to give up so much. And as good as I think Caleb Williams could be, I don't see them doing that. But, man, if they trade down, oh, it's going to be brutal. I mean, the first question is how far down do you go? See, there, there's our new one. So now let's power rank how far down they go. <laughs> now picking at 17, the New England <laughs> Patriots. Like, yeah, but we got another first-round pick. Like, I don't care. I don't care about next year's draft. Can we talk about this year's draft first? Can we hit a home run on this year's draft? I don't know. Oh. See, I, I think because this is a long game. Yeah. And it's not just like, quick, hurry up, Gerard Mayo. Get back to the playoffs. Get out of the yeah. Super Bowl, LFG. I think they're going to realize, like, guys, if there's any chance 
We can get an extra first rounder God. next year and an extra second rounder this year. The worst. And we still get somebody like, all right, you might want Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. What if I could tell you? Yes. You can get like Roma Dunze or Malik right. Neighbors. I mean, they're good. At, yeah, at eight. Let's say you trade with the Falcons. Yeah. And then you still pick up an extra first rounder and they have to give you a second rounder this year. Now, all of a sudden, you're grabbing a quarterback and, oh, look at that. We got J.J. McCarthy and insert oh, name of BYU want... or Florida State tackle here. I'm just giving I you for not... example. No, I know you are. I know you are. I just I just, I just, immediately hear J.J. McCarthy and I kind of get sick in my mouth. So I don't want him and I don't want that as a plan. If they end up going quarterback, though, either at three or in the first round, going back to our guy Alex Van Pelt, mm-hmm. how much input should he have? He's the guy. Like I know he's not the head coach, but the head coach is a defensive guy. Alex Van Pelt's going to be the one, theoretically, the most hands-on for the next several years. If everything goes well, that's the plan anyway. Like, he's going to be coaching him up. He's going to be running his offense. So what if you get in the room and Matt Groh is like, we really want, uh, you know, Drake May and Drod Mayo's like, yeah, that sounds good. And then Van Pelt is adamant that Jaden Daniels is the guy. Who do you, who do you side with there? I think the head coach and Elliot Elliot Wolf will have the final say, uh, okay. or rather, will have the he- most influence. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they got to get a draft under their belt before we get an idea of. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I'm just draft Wolf right. Mayo. But like, if Van Pelt, like the guy coaching him, like I just think you're kind of that's a tough spot to be in. But like, all right, you just got hired uh, as our offensive coordinator. We're giving you the quarterback that you didn't really want, but everybody else apparently wanted, and now you got to try to figure that out like didn't we just deal with a coach quarterback that didn't really want each other now you, you might see i think alex that again van, yeah rich i really think alex van pelt was brought in because he's just a stable choice it's not like oh my god right. this guy's offensive scheme is just mind-blowing true or like but he's a wizard with you know game plays and innovation no it's like the guy can this guy's a little qb whisperer mm-hmm. he's been around a bunch of functional offenses learned from kevin stefanski most recently and played in the league so we're going to bring in somebody yeah Who's gonna do? Who's gonna execute our want and will on offense and make sure that whatever veteran we bring in is stable and whatever rookie we draft is someone who's gonna be around for a while? He might also just be like, "Hey, I was in Cleveland last year. We coached five quarterbacks. Just I'll take whoever you got." <laughs> He's yeah, like, I don't even have a. That's what I did with Flacco. <laughs> yeah, Come on, I'm, I'm up for whatever you guys want to want to send my way. Uh, you guys can join the show at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Uh, we'll try to win some money in the bet du jour, but I also want to get to this new juicy uh, quote from Tom Brady about Bill Belichick. It's all on the way here in the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, W-E-E-I. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston W-E-E-I and check out W-E-E-I on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on W-E-E-I. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy W-E-E-I. You can join the program at 617-779-7937. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Keefe Show. You can also watch the program on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston W-E-E-I. Get all the programs. And if you miss any of the program, you can download the Rich Keefe Show podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Before we get to this Tom Brady quote, that has uh, come out today in the uh, lead up to the documentary on Apple TV, which is coming out this week. Uh, let's try to find a winner on the board. Again, Celtics are in action tonight against the Nets. You got some NHL games, whatever else uh, you think you can uh, win with. Fitzy, what do you have tonight in the bet du jour? We are back 
on the winning track. Yes, sir. After correctly selecting the Miliwake Bucks over the Denver New Jay the right. other night. That's right. All right, let's stick it out tonight. No Jalen Brown, no problem, right. Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a lot to ask of the potential MVP candidate that is Jason Tatum to carry the team single-handedly on that slender but muscular back every night. Everyone else needs to chip in tonight. I'm looking for Derek White to up his game. Oh, big D. White game. Uh, it is, indeed. You know, he's going to play like, hey, you know what? Should have picked me as an all-star, Should have been an all-star. My last chance to show off for that. I like His over-under is only 15 and a half at minus 118. I will bang Thank that drum over. all night. Let's go. Give me Kristaps Porzingis fresh off his back bruise, which cost him uh, last night. He is uh, in there tonight. His over-under is 21 and a half. And just like you said, no Jalen Brown. So the team's second leading scorer, not in there. So I will take Kristaps Porzingis. Over 21 and a half. Stiz, what do you have tonight, sir? I, too, will be uh, betting with our Boston Celtics. Give me mm. Drew Holiday over two and a half, three-pointers, plus 135. Okay. All right. There you go. I, I was tempted to go with Jason Tatum because he is on an absolute hot streak, but just the way I've been going, I feel like if I do bet on him, it'd be mm-hmm. kind of jinxing it. Yep. He's riding high because I think his over is like 30 and a half. Probably take Ooh. the over. Or is it th- 29 or 30 and a half? And then the rebounds is up to nine and a half now. It was cruising around at eight and a half. I took that the other night. That the over, he's been grabbing a bunch of boards, so they bumped it up a whole rebound. So, uh, but yeah, thirty and ten not wouldn't be uh, crazy if that's what he ends up mm-hmm. pulling in. All right, how about this quote? And we can talk about this uh, throughout the evening. Tom Brady. Uh, so the Athletic had this in lead up to the documentary, the Dynasty, coming out on Apple TV. This is Tom Brady quote. Me and Coach Belichick, well, we, we did what we loved and competed for 20 years together, but I wasn't going to sign another contract in New England even if I wanted to play until I was 50. Based on how things had gone, I wasn't going to sign up for more of it. So that quote alone, mm-hmm. does that make you feel differently about Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, or Robert Kraft? It makes me, no, I don't feel differently about any of them. If anything, I feel like, look, what am I going to do? Get angrier at Robert Kraft for not being able to keep the dynasty <laughs> together longer? No. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, we had today, it'll be available later this evening, shortly, probably around after when the Rich Keefe show is done. You can listen to it tomorrow. If 10 p.m. sharp. Six Rings of Football things. Yep. 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 We had a nice one hour sit down today with Jeff Benedict, the author of the dynasty and one of the executive producers who worked for years on the docuseries that premieres Friday. He described it all appropriately so as a a necessary end, a death, if you will. Like it, you could only make the life that was Belichick, Kraft, and Brady, all three of those giant egos with those massive agendas, coincide and collaborate together for so very long, and it's a miracle that they did. That said, I think what this allows you to do now, Rich, is go back to where we were four years ago and see... Everything, every smoke signal, every quote, every move made by Tom Brady, so much more clear with so much more clarity. Like, yeah, of course, he was telling us he was frustrated with getting work to the bone. Of course, he was letting us know he was tired of being Johnny from Burger King or whatever the hell Belichick made him feel like. Yeah, I don't know how many other I don't know how many of the quarterbacks that were that good would have been able to do it for 10 years, let alone 20. You know, being coached by Bill Belichick is not the easiest thing by all accounts. And some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. 
And that, you know, a lot of guys kind of came and went throughout that uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. No, I don't feel a whole lot different. I think the one thing maybe I and others have to update is we would always say, hey, if they just gave Brady uh, the Drew Brees deal. And I know that was even the year before, which may have been true the year before. But at that point, I was like, well, if they just gave him what he wanted, well, it seemed like the ship had sailed. It seemed like they had they had kind of called his bluff before or they had treated him a certain way. I mean, he was practically begging for compliments during the Tom V time documentary they did on Facebook where Giselle's like, he just wants to be appreciated. Like he was begging for compliments and he wasn't getting them. Uh-uh. And so he was ready to go. He's ready to pack his stuff. It really doesn't change much uh, as far as Belichick or Kraft is concerned. I think what we said then and what we've said in the last few years kind of still holds firm to me. Kraft literally, there was nothing more he could do to keep the two together, but it was his choice, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. And Robert Kraft in that spot did what I, I mean, again, hindsight's one thing, but at the time, are you siding with a coach or a 40-plus-year-old quarterback? I think most people, most businessmen would have gone with the safer option, which was the coach. He was wrong. He was wrong. It's like when I bet every other night on my uh, on my apps here, I think I'm getting the right thing. I feel like in my heart of hearts, like, this is the right call. And then I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. So he was wrong. There's no other way to spin it. He got it wrong. But I'm sure all the discussions leading up to it, he was like, this is, we got to side with the coach slash GM, right? Like, he's not going to blow out his Achilles or he's not going to hit, like, old age like a, like a quarterback would. Little did he know Tom Brady would win a Super Bowl the next year, be a top 10 quarterback for two more years after winning the Super Bowl, and then his coach would just fall apart. His coach would make a bunch of horrible decisions in the time after that, ultimately ending in a 4-13 and season and him having to fire him. So he got it wrong, but he right. like that was the, the option that he had in front of him. Now, it's not to say that if he had held on to Tom Brady, that Tom Brady would have played as well as he did in all three seasons he was in Tampa Bay because... 100%. Yeah, they don't win a Super Bowl with Brady here. There's no chance. No, he didn't have Lombardi, Lenny, and Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and all the players that (laughs) did so much. Gronk and Antonio Brown. Yeah, please, get out of here. None of them would have been on that roster. It would have been Nikhil Harry. Edelman might have tried to play one more season. We saw what happened to his bones and his overall frame in 2020 as well. So it wouldn't have been the same. But the, to see the way that Brady, who was mad after Super Bowl 51 that he didn't get the Drew Brees deal at that point, that's when he deserved, here's four for 100, look what you just pulled off in Super Bowl 51. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was pissed after Super Bowl 52, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. To not have been given the appreciation and or the financial compensation and financial appreciation he deserved, I think almost that's when his mind was made up. Yeah. And he was just going to let it play out and carry through. That's when you should have given him the deal that we all thought would have gotten it done in 2019. If it wasn't given to him in February 2017, March 2017, mm-hmm. you know what? He's like, the hell with it. I'm going to make my own documentary. I'm going to start throwing <laughs> footballs to little Amendola-looking dudes on mahogany boats in Monaco. Like, yep. I don't care, whatever. All right, we got one hour down, three hours to go. You can join us on any of that at 617-779-7937. So we'll get to your phone calls. Plus, it's a Would You Rather Wednesday here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy, W-E-E-I.